I am compelled to read the opening verses found in today's scripture lesson. The very opening of today's scripture lesson found in the book of James, the fifth chapter and the seventh verse began, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too, be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. It is said that we live in a microwave world where we need to have everything that we want in an instant. Somehow it seems we can't wait for anything. And the truth is we need to have what we want right now and right away. As I was thinking about this message, it almost seems to me like our fevered pitch in life is giving way to almost an unconscious desperation that seems to imply that we are running out of time. I don't know if you see the news or if you watch the news, but somehow it seems like we are rushing to somewhere because time seems to be running out. I don't know if you get that sense. I don't know if you get that feeling, but it almost feels as if time is running out. We can't wait in traffic. We can't wait to get to work. We can't wait in line for nothing. We can't wait to get results from exams. We can't wait to grow up. We can't wait to get to bed. We can't wait to do this. We can't wait to do that. We can't wait to get this. We can't wait to get that. All in all, we just can't wait another minute to get whatever and wherever it is that we think we need to get in order to find contentment. Brothers and sisters, we just can't wait. Waiting is about pausing where there is a delay in us getting what we want. It's about the passing of time where we are taken from the place of having some control over some things to a place or situations where we have absolutely no control at all. It is in this time period that our anxiety usually reaches its maximum and where we must exercise something called patience. By definition, patience is the ability or the willingness to suppress the restlessness or the annoyance that accompanies every bit of anxiety that we have whenever we are confronted with some kind of delay. In short, Patience is about exercising self-control when facing loss 
of control. And it can be crushing. Now it is said that patience is a virtue, which means that it is a good quality to be able to tolerate something that takes a long time. And when things take a long time, the question many of us tend to ask, especially to God, is how long, Lord? How long is it going to take before you answer my prayer? How long is it going to take before you heal me of this problem in my finances? How, how long is it going to take before you heal my body of this pain? How long is it going to take before you bring some kind of peace in my home? How long, Lord? How long? These are some of the questions that we tend to bring before God. So today on this third Sunday of the Advent season, I want to speak on the subject of patience. And I've titled this sermon quite simply, Worth the Wait. If you're anything like me, you don't like waiting. You don't like waiting at the airport going through security or at the doctor's office. You don't like waiting for your number to be called at the DMV. And you really, really don't like waiting for a reply to a really important text message. You don't even like your PC taking so long to turn on. Or how about for your phone to charge? Simple things that we just don't like waiting for. And, and, and I personally, and this is where I'm showing you me. Because this might not be your issue, but I can talk about me. I really don't like driving behind people who drive slow in the fast lane. Drives me crazy. If it were not for this collar that I wear around my neck, every bone in my body wants me to not honk. I'm just restraining, blasting that horn, but, but just so I compromise. I don't blow the horn, I flick the light. I'm just saying. Now, now, if that were bad enough, and I see y'all laughing because y'all know you do the same thing, but I can only talk and judge me. You come up to the red light, and it went green. You gave a reasonable amount of time for the person to move. And it's just me. But three seconds is a lot of time to give somebody. So three seconds is the limit before I express to you the need for you to accelerate. Because I got somewhere I need to be. I, I don't like people talking when I'm in the movies. I, I, I can't wait for them to stop. I want people to, to take care of their children that's screaming in church. I, I, I want them, I, I, can't, I just can't wait. And, and, and I can't wait for payday. Now, I don't know if anybody of you got those kinds of problems, but I'm just talking about me. I just don't like waiting. And, and, and they sang a song, and that was for me. I don't like waiting. I'm one of those people that's very punctual. And I don't like to be late. Amen. I don't like waiting. Amen. It's said that good things come to those who wait. Well, well. But it still makes to me no difference when I'm waiting when I really don't want to. Yes, now we can make the case that it's worth waiting for your tax refund. No matter how much the amount. <laughs> you can wait for it. 
if you know it's coming. It's worth, or it should be worth waiting for the birth of a child. It's worth waiting for a good cup of coffee. It's worth waiting for a delivery from Amazon.com. I'm just talking about me. When the truck pulls up, I am so happy. It's like every order is Christmas. It's worth waiting for a wedding day. It's even worth waiting for a really good movie. And whatever we may think, waiting, waiting is a natural part of our existence. And the more we advance as a civilization, immediacy, the need to have things right now, is something that has become a very big part of our modern day lives. Advances in technology has made instant gratification significantly easier. But getting something that you want right away isn't always what is best for you. Life is not a marathon. It's a journey. And there are some things that are just worth waiting for. But before we delve into what some of those things might be, it might be worth our while to take a look at some of the people in the past who sort of understood what it meant to wait. Biblically, Abraham waited 25 years before the Lord gave him Isaac, the child of promise. Imagine that for a moment. God says to you, I'm going to make of you a great nation, and out of you is going to come this child of promise. And God is making this promise to Abraham, and Abraham is waiting 25 years for something that God had promised. You get to the place, brothers and sisters, if we are honest, where I'm thinking by the time you get to year 12, you might have given up on what God has promised you. Maybe I did not really hear from God. Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe it was something that I'm wishing for. But every one of us can attest to the fact that sometimes the waiting can be so long that we have given up all hope that this thing is ever going to happen in our lives. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you may be waiting for spouses. Some of you may be waiting for your children to turn around. Some of you may be waiting for a new opportunity in your job. Whatever it is, we often get to the place where because what we want has not yet happened, we have given up hope that it ever will. Abraham understood a little something about waiting on God. But some things are worth the wait. Yes. Jacob slaved and worked 14 years waiting for his love, Rachel. He worked seven years and was promised Rachel and was given Leah. She wasn't worth the wait as far as he was concerned. So he decided, I'll work another seven years for what I really want. But the truth of the matter is, whether it was Leah or Rachel, some things are worth the wait. Joseph waited 13 years before the fulfillment of his prophetic promise. You remember Joseph. He was given that coat of many colors, and he was told by God in a dream that what? His parents would bow down to him like the sun and the moon, and the stars were his brothers, and everything would give homage to this Joseph. He had this amazing dream that, that, that you and I know that it was the kind of dream that was majestic. Some of you have dreams in your lives that you had when you were a child, and you're wondering, whatever happened to those dreams? The truth of the matter is, Joseph, probably when he was in the pit in Pharaoh's court, probably felt like, wait a second, maybe I had made 
a mistake. Maybe it really wasn't the dream that I thought it was because how can I be here stuck in a pit and ever believe that I will ever ascend to the throne of Egypt? But some things are worth the wait. Israel waited 400 years to be free from Egyptian bondage. Something African Americans understand waiting 400 years to, to, to be liberated from a country and a land that says that we are equal. All men are created equal in the sight of God. Yet to the African slave, you wonder, wait a second, what does equality look like? And then you get the Emancipation Proclamation, and then you got to wait another several hundred years before you actually agree to what you wrote on paper. African Americans understand a little something about waiting. But some things in life are worth the wait. The Voting Rights Act, for example, was signed into law, get this, 95 years after being ratified in the United States Constitution. Voting rights. Some things are worth the wait. And yet I say it around and I hear people say, well, I ain't voting. Voting don't matter. Well, let me tell you, my brothers, sisters, brothers and sisters, if voting don't matter, you don't matter. How about that? So the point is waiting is natural and it is inevitable. And many of us understand it historically what it means to wait. Now as I shared before, many of you are like me. You just don't like to wait. We're always in a rush to get to the next place or to the next thing. And while this is true for all of us, the real danger is that this inability to wait also affects us spiritually. You see, we think that we're just uncomfortable because we're not getting what we want, but you need to understand that there is something spiritual going on whenever you're not able to wait. You see, our inability to wait has led us to making what? Poor decisions that often lead us worse off than we were just because we can't wait. This is expressly why the scriptures say to us, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Listen carefully. The prophet says, they that wait on the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary, and they shall walk and not faint. In other words, there is a waiting that produces something of value and not Waiting leads to what? To you being depleted in strength, makes you weary, and can make you faint. Many of us are rushing to things that are going to cause us more harm than good. Rushing because we just can't wait for what God has in store for us. Rushing because we just think we have to have what we want right now. Listen, church, the devil is a liar. If God wants something for you, it doesn't matter how long you wait, you are going to get what God has for you. The devil may try to take it. The devil may try to trick you. The devil may try to move you into a place where you believe that you'll never get the promise, but I'm standing here telling you that I am right now a witness to the promises of God. What God says he's going to do in your life, he will perform it. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the best part is God is not a man that he should lie. But the problem with waiting 
is not the fact that we don't have all the details and we don't have all the answers. In fact, from our perspective, and I'm talking to y'all because you know it's you, from our perspective, we have already figured everything out. We understand everything already. Yeah, that's what, it's called pride. So we think we know what's best for us. But the problem is not that we have everything figured out. The problem is that we want God to move in our time frame. We want God to do all of the stuff that we think he should do. Because we tend to think that we know better and know more than God. But God rarely, throughout biblical history, God rarely, rarely does things according to our time frame. And because of that, we can easily get discouraged with God. So spiritually, we often become broken because we think that God is either uncaring or worst of all, that God is mad at us. You don't get what you want. You think that God is always punitive. So you wanted this and you wanted that. God didn't give you this. God didn't give you that. Then he may be mad at you. How did you get to that? I can tell you right now, and I'm being honest, there are some relationships that I chased after in my life that I wish I had not. Let's be clear and let's be honest. There are some things in my life that I went after that after getting it, I regret it. Why? Because I think I know more than God. God is intentional. God is deliberate. And God always has a plan and a purpose for everything. In fact, the scriptures remind us that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So God expresses this virtue of patience with us. And as a result, God expects us to express that virtue as well. So let's try and see if we can understand why this virtue called patience is so important to God. Well, the first thing we want to do is to go back to our text. James says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and the late rains. James uses the metaphor of the farmer for a very specific reason. It's not just there because it's nice words. James wants you to understand a little something about this metaphor as it relates to patience. Here's what I mean. Number one, the farmer plants a seed and he has an expectation of a harvest. That's number one. He has an expectation of a harvest. Brothers and sisters, you don't plant nothing unless you expect something to come from it. Because the Bible tells us you reap what you sow. So, 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 so here is where I want you to really sit with me for a little while. Many of us are dealing with things in our lives that we did not expect to happen, right or wrong. We planted some seeds not knowing what kind of fruit or tree would be born. Now, I'm not talking about good seed. What I'm talking about is the seed that you planted that you now wish you could have unplanted. So the point that James is making here that I want you to see is that when it comes to being patient, many of us are planting seeds and what? Have no expectations. 
So you're planting, planting, and then what, whatever you get, you got what you got. So the question is, what kind of seeds are you planting today? You need to plant the kind of seed that will allow you to reap the kind of harvest that you are expecting. So James is letting us know, first of all, that the farmer plants a seed with an expectation of what this seed will produce. Very important to understand. The second thing that James wants us to see is that the farmer, watch what it says, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil. Do you see that? In other words, James is saying that, 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 that the farmer has no control over the soil that enables the growth of that seed. The farmer has no control. Once you put that seed in the ground with your expectation, what the soil is going to do to that seed, ain't nothing you can do anything about so the question then becomes, as I challenge you before, what kind of soil are you planting your seeds in? See? Because the truth of the matter is, if you don't plant your seed in good ground, then the chances are you, you already messed up because you don't know what kind of seed you planted. You're already messed up because you don't even know what to expect. So furthermore, you're planting in soil that you don't know anything about in terms of what it's capable of doing. So now you're in a place where you don't even have any idea what you're going to get at the end. But third thing that James has us see in this text is that the farmer has to wait. The farmer has to wait. So on the one hand, you got the seed, you plant it with expectation. Secondly, you're planting it in soil that you know is good ground. And the third thing is you wait. Much of our discontent in life, the majority of the reason why many of us are frustrated angry and upset with God is because one we planted seed that God didn't give us to plant and we had no expectation we planted in places that God said don't go anywhere near and you still choose to do it and third you just can't wait how many of you right now don't answer <laughs> how many of you are really waiting frustrated for things that you know you probably didn't even plan. I want you to hear what I just said. Many of us are expecting harvests from soils where we planted nothing. Now I'm going to make this real to you because, I, I, and again, I got to be real because I'm just that kind of preacher. And I tell it like it is. Many people say, well, you know, churches, they only care about money. <laughs> they need to come to our church. One, we ain't got none. No. <laughs> no, I ain't say that. <laughs> but let me be real with you. Let me be real with you. I'm going to be real, real with you. People call me often, very often, sometimes, to, Pastor, I need you to do this and do that. I have no idea who they are. Nefty can tell you. People, I have no idea. I want you to come. I heard about you, and I want you to come do this, that, and the other. And I have to be polite and nice. I say, well, do you belong to a church? Home? They go, yeah, I belong to a church. I'm, then your pastor in that church is who you should be calling. Why am I saying that? It's not to be mean. It's simply to, un to make you understand that you can't expect to reap a harvest out of somewhere you don't sow. 
And I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your talents. I'm talking about your treasure to the people who give to this ministry. Not just money, but they come and they help and they support this ministry. To those people, I have an obligation by virtue of the God that planted me in this church to do for them whatever it is that God requires of me. That's the reason why you got a church on every corner. Why? Because one pastor can't please or serve everybody. But for the people who believe in the work of this ministry, I am obligated. And that's what I mean. Some people are expecting preachers and pastors and leaders to do things for them. Why? They're expecting a harvest where they've planted no seed. For many of us, we're doing the same thing. It doesn't have to be in church. You're expecting to get a check in the mail. From where? They're like, oh, the stop. Trump says the stock market is booming. Yes, the stock market is. And I love to watch CNN. And these people, and this is not to be casting aspersion, I'm simply saying some of these folks, they just look crazy. And you know they don't have what? They don't have no stocks. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. I'm simply saying they're folks that you know they don't have no stocks. So when they go, yeah, the stock market is booming. And you ain't got no stock. You're expecting a harvest where you haven't planted any kind of seed. But it sounds good to talk about these things. And again, this is not a political sermon. I'm just simply saying that you need to understand what James is telling us. That, that there are things in life, right, that you cannot expect to get something from where you have not made any kind of investment. That's what I'm saying. So you, with your, with, with, with your crazy self, Think that you got a, something coming to you. Because of these three things, we can anticipate that until the seed produces the harvest, the farmer may become frustrated, the farmer may become anxious, the farmer may become impatient, and the farmer may become worried. Yet despite all of these feelings, my brothers and sisters, and I'm talking about you, none of these things can make the seed grow any faster or make your harvest come any quicker. The farmer can feel all the emotions that he wants, but none of them can do anything about the growth. This forces the farmer to have to wait, to exercise patience, and the patience produces in all of us three very distinct and important things. The first thing we know is that patience builds character. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. James alludes to this when he says, clearly in the text, strengthen your hearts. He says in verse 8, you too be patient. Strengthen your hearts. This is about character. The main reason why, why many don't want to exercise patience is because it involves some kind of suffering. Yes, it involves accepting and tolerating delays, problems, or distresses with where you are forced to become annoyed or anxious. Patience has to do with endurance, and endurance involves pain, and people usually don't like to undergo any kind of pain. In life, if we don't go through the waiting time, the pressure time, the enduring time, the suffering time, we will never go through the transformation we need in order to fulfill our destiny. So patience is waiting without complaining. Romans 5th chapter, the 3rd to the 4th verse, Paul says, More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, 
knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Many people walking around the world today, you can see them. They are bereft of any hope. Why? Because they can't wait for nothing, and their characters are torn apart. Secondly, patience builds intimacy. Intimacy is about connecting emotionally in the context of a personal relationship. You all notice in the early stages of any relationship, when you're still getting to know each other, you relish every moment you spend together. I just can't wait to see you. Oh, you're so sweet. Oh, I love you so much and you're so cute. We, we go through all of that. As you begin to discover and learn new things about each other, all the while building an intimate personal connection. But everyone knows that that kind of emotional development does not happen overnight. It takes time. <laughs> Dr. Fran Walfish states that true intimacy must be built with patience and mortar, brick by brick, to lay a foundation in your relationship without cracks. Here's what I'm saying. You'll meet somebody. You'll start to get to know somebody. But they don't start showing you the things that you want to see the same day, so now they're no good. What do you think they think about you? <laughs> Relationships take time. And when you spend and invest time in a relationship, being patient enough with the person as you expect the person to be patient with you, guess what? You're not only going to see the things you like, you're going to see the things that you detest as well. There are many things, many things in my relationship with my wife that I absolutely love. But there are few things. <laughs> there are few things that drive me crazy. And she will tell you the same thing. But it doesn't mean that, that we have a lack of love for each other. It simply means that we have been together long enough to understand that the intimacy that comes with time is something that you could not manufacture overnight. Many of us are impatient with other people and relationships. Why? Because we are really impatient with ourselves. And beyond even that, we are even more impatient with God. Patience builds intimacy, and it comes with time. Finally, finally, Patience builds witness. Looking again at the farmer who plants a seed and waits for the fruit, in his waiting, he's just like a prophet or a preacher who proclaims the word of God and, and, and endures suffering while waiting for God's timing. Listen, let me be clear. We, 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 I pray for this church. You guys know this. I pray for you all more than you even know. And every time someone tells me that something isn't working out in their life, it breaks my heart. Why? Because I then run to God and say, God, is this what you want? Because I'm praying for this person. I'm praying that they get the deliverance they're looking for. And when it doesn't happen, it breaks a pastor's heart every single time. Listen, listen, again, let me be honest, right, Eve? 99.9% .9 of the time when people call me, they ain't calling me to tell me, oh, pastor, you know, you're doing, we like you and you're doing great. And I just want you to know that things are working out so well in my life right now. I just got a wonderful opportunity and a great job, Pastor, and I just thank you for your prayers. That ain't the cause I get. Pastor. 
3 o'clock in the morning. You got to come right now. Why? I don't know, but I need you. I'm not making jokes. What I'm simply saying is that you have no idea, and this is not a pity party, the burden that comes down on pastoral leadership, right? But it's the, that's why it's a calling, and that's what God has done. So, the, so a pastor is really not a good pastor if he doesn't empower people to help the people. See? But the truth of the matter is my ability as a minister to be available as appropriate, when appropriate, and when necessary, but it requires that I be patient, waiting on God, so that when I give you what it is that God has given me to give you, then what happens is what? Is what? Then my witness is true. That's what I'm telling you. Many of you say, Pastor, didn't, he didn't respond yet. <laughs> I'm waiting. You don't want me to tell you what's on my mind. But if you tell me something that you need me to go consult God with, if God is working in my life the way he's working in your life, God don't answer right away. So, when I, when you, so, so I'm saying, give me the respect to recognize that when you bring the situation, I need to, I take it to the Lord. Because you're not following a preacher. You're following a God who's leading a preacher. And it's very different. I am not God, and I don't want his job. And believe me, let me tell you in case you don't know, I can't do for you what God can. I can't. And, and I've tried. <laughs> it doesn't work. So my point is, is that when you live out your faith, waiting on God, and then God starts to deliver in your life, you have to proclaim it because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the what? The word of our testimony. And so others will know that because you waited on the Lord and he delivered, maybe they too can wait and he will deliver. And so your witness becomes true. I try not to talk bad about God. <laughs> or say things that, you know, God is just, you know. I try not to do that. I feel like it sometimes. Like it's taken a little too long in my life. I feel like I've waited long enough, God. But then I reflect, 25 years is a long time. Are you still faithful, God, after 25 years? Are you still faithful, God, after I've given you all of my service and my tithes and my offerings and my worship in a church and somehow the people still don't give me any respect? Are, are you still faithful to, to believe that God will bring you through? Or are you just going to say, this is not the place for me, and then you run and find somewhere else where you're going to start the process all over again, waiting another 25 years? See, God is not slow in his promises. The problem is we want God working on our timetable. So, so my point is, patience builds character. Patience builds intimacy. But patience also allows you to have a credible witness. So what does all of this mean, and what does this have to do with Jesus? Well, let me tell you right now. It says in the text... Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. You see that statement right there? The coming of the Lord means that whatever that you are waiting for in your life, whatever it is that you're waiting for in your life, if it is something that you want, if it is something that God wants for you, if it is something that is good for you, it will come. But there is a waiting that is worth any other kind of waiting, and that is waiting on the Lord. Many of us have grown up in churches and we've heard all our lives, Jesus is coming soon. How many of you heard that? Jesus is coming soon. We hear people talk about it and we've been, listen, people come dead and gone and Jesus still ain't come yet. 
I know not when Jesus will come. But you know what else I don't know? I don't know when my time will be up. And one thing I do know is that if Jesus comes after my time was up, there is no way that I'm going to be able to go back and say, okay, God, I mean it now. I'm serious now. Now is the time that we have. Because we don't have tomorrow, but we know who holds tomorrow. And we cannot go back to yesterday. So here's my message to you, church. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. For he is worth the wait. Waiting for a cup of coffee is not worth the wait. For over 2,000 years, Israel was promised the Messiah. They waited. The Bible tells them that there was going to be one that was going to come that was going to liberate them from bondage. And they waited. But you know what's interesting? They thought he was going to come riding on a horse with a sword in his hand. Chop off Caesar's head and then give them all of the glory they're looking for. That's what they were looking for. They didn't expect him to come in a manger, vulnerable, weak, crying as a baby. They, they, they didn't expect him to, 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 to be born in the family of a carpenter. They didn't expect him. They didn't expect him to be, to be walking around. They didn't expect him. They expected him another way. They did not expect him to come and, 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 to, and to not deliver, but to be walking around with 12 ragamuffins. And I can only imagine what some of them look like. Some of them probably don't shower often. Peter. I'm just kidding. Some of them doubted. Some of them had pride, want to sit in high places. And even one of them betrayed him. These are the people that this person, Messiah, was walking around with. And you know what that means why I say that to you? Because he was walking around with people like you and me. I can put on all the fancy robes I want, but I'm telling you, underneath this is someone who is just as broken as you, who has a problem sometimes waiting on God, who has a, who has a problem sometimes not seeing God deliver the way I'd like him to deliver. I got challenges in my family, too, like everybody else. I am not exempt because I got these ro this robe on or this collar on. I'm suffering just like you. But God forces me to wait because if I can't wait... What kind of example and witness am I setting for you? But what I will tell you, my brothers and sisters, is this is true. I've waited for the Lord, and he heard my cry. He delivered me out of the miry pit, and he planted my feet on solid ground. And that solid ground is Jesus Christ. And as long as my feet stay planted on that ground, the winds and the storms may come, and I may bend but I will not break. And I believe that with all of my heart and as many people as I can encourage to come into the kingdom, that is my job until I can't beg you no more. Because the day is going to come where after all is said and done, I'm going to stand before his pearly throne. And he's going to look at me and ask me, what did I do with my time while I was here? 
I gave you a small congregation to care for. What did you do with them? And I said, Lord, I did the best that I could with your Holy Spirit's help. And he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And then he'll reveal to me, he says, you are faithful over few. I'm going to make you now ruler over many. Because in my house, many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. But Jesus went and he prepared a place that where he is, you, you're going you're gonna to join him there. And he's waiting for you right now, Pastor Hugh. He's waiting for you. So, so, so when you get there, you remember what Paul told you? This is God talking to me. You remember what Paul told you? And I'm like, when, Lord? When he said, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has entered into the hearts of anyone the things that God has in store for those that love him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is God telling me this, and I'm going to be like, word. And then he's going to say, come, let me show you. And that's when I'm going to realize that he was worth the wait. That's when I'm going to know for sure that he was worth the wait. You see, I can't prove it to you right now that he is worth the wait. But because I believe it, because I believe it, I exercise faith. And when I see that day, here's what would make me really happy. Jesus is going to make me phenomenally happy. But what's going to make me also happy is if I see you there as well. So that you can know that for yourself, not from what I tell you, but for yourself, that he was indeed worth the wait. So I invite you to all stand at this time. And, um, and thank you, worship team. That's very appropriate. I was hoping you would go back to that. I appreciate that very much. Thought I'd share that and let you know. But if you are here today, hear me clearly. Now, if you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart for yourself, if you, listen, you, you may think you have, but you know in your heart that you never, ever made that declaration of faith publicly for yourself. Look at how good we are in this church. We rolled out the red carpet just for you. Yes, we did. So if you're here and you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart for yourself, you've never made that public declaration, then this is your moment and your time. Many people are saying, where in the Bible does it say that people got to do that? Well, Paul says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again from the grave, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So whosoever calls upon the name of Jesus, you shall, not you might, but you shall be saved. So you can't write your mother's or your father's or your sister's or your cousin's or your uncle's or your grandparents' say salvation. You have to make this walk for yourself. I like you, and you might like me, but I cannot save you. So if you're here today and you've never asked, made that declaration, we all must come this way. I did it, and many of you have. So if you're here and you've never done that before, don't let fear or embarrassment or shame keep you from hearing, well done good and faithful servant. Don't let that stop you from realizing that Jesus is in fact worth the wait. So if that is you, won't you come now as you feel so led? In Jesus' name, come, that we may receive you right now. Anyone? Worship team? 
Oh. 